good morning. It is so good to be with you in the house of the Lord. Amen. And I want to welcome those that are online as well. We're grateful that you're joining us. Uh, maybe you're staying a little drier than some of us that got out today, but um, nonetheless, and you know, I've said this the last couple of weeks, but I think I want to say it again today, and that is this, that whether you are a seeker or a skeptic or a sojourner in terms of your faith, Jesus wants to meet you. And God has great things in store for each and every one of us. Amen? Amen. I'm so grateful for y'all. I want to give a shout out to those of you that invited a friend today. And I want to thank those of you that are coming maybe for the first time today. We want you to know that you're always welcome here at The Way where we are committed to what? Sharing in hope, living with purpose for the sake of others. Well, this video that we've been playing the last several weeks, I don't know about you, but it kind of puts you in a kind of a, a, kind of in a heavy spot, right? But Lent is that way. It's hard to believe that we are five weeks in on this journey toward the cross of Christ. Palm Sunday is next Sunday. It's hard to believe. Easter is almost here. And, and, and I don't know about you, but I need Easter. I need Easter. But we can't get to Easter without the cross. And the season of Lent is that time of reflection, a time of fasting, a time of, of taking an inventory of, you, if you will, where we are in a relationship with God and knowing that God is at work with us and through us and even in spite of us. Thanks be to God in that regard. And so as we've been talking, we've been walking through what we oftentimes don't want to walk through, and that is the fact that we've been hurt. Every one of us has been hurt. We've explored the idea of having been hurt through rejection, shame, disappointment. We talked about captivity or bondage last week, and I don't know about you, but but the testimonies over the last several weeks, along with what God's Word has had to say to us, shows just how profound and how powerful the cross of Christ is in connecting with and dealing with our own hurts. And I am grateful for that. But the cross does more than that. The cross reveals a path toward the healing work that Christ wants to do in us and through us and for us. And that path begins with something that sometimes we don't like to do, and that is to acknowledge our pain. Because just like every one of us has been hurt, I think we all could attest the fact that with our hurts comes pain. Pain. And, and, and so as we continue our journey toward the cross of Christ, as we continue to reflect on what he did for us through the cross, I invite you to join with me as we take a moment and just acknowledge the pain. And what are we to do with pain? And to do that, I want to invite you to turn with me to the, the book of Hebrews, the letter of Hebrews in the New Testament, to chapter 12. And I invite you to, to read along with me. I'm going to read the first few verses In the New International Version translation, here's God's word for us today. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me as we continue in worship this morning? 
Almighty God, I thank you for the opportunity, the privilege, the freedom that we have to gather in your presence today. There are many brothers and sisters across the world that do not have this opportunity. We may have not wanted to get out of bed because of the rain, but there are some that are in fear of gathering for their faith. And so, God, we pray your blessing over their gathering today. And we ask for your presence to continue to move here in our gathering here. Lord, I pray that your spirit would be free to move in and amongst us and even in spite of us. So, Lord, may the meditation of our hearts and minds, and may the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And all the church said, Amen. Y'all said amen that time, not me. <laughs> For those of you that are taking count, I, I'm, I know y'all are taking count. How many times I say amen, right? Amen. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> pain. Pain. I don't know about you, but I think we all can attest to the fact we experience pain. The testimonies that we've heard over the last few weeks have conjured up and, and revealed to us the pain of others, but we don't need to listen to someone else's testimony because we have all walked through. Perhaps even some of us today are sitting in the midst of deep pain because of hurts that have come amongst us and maybe within us. Pain comes from a lot of different sources. Let me give you a few of those sources this morning. One of those sources is pretty obvious. When when someone sins against us, right? When someone sins against us, it's obvious. When that hurt comes from someone else, we experience a deep level of pain. And that's on a personal level, but that's also on a global or corporate level. As a reminder of that this past week, I got a text yesterday, Artem and Olia, who lived with us. They're from the Ukraine, and, and they have a, a young daughter in tow, and they now have Olia's younger sister, Dasha, and Roma living with them. And they're sharing that Dasha is expecting a baby. And I'm like, holy cow, they're really young. I mean, 18. And I'm super excited for them. But you know, the pain that they experience is that not only is Joanna, Artem and Olia's little daughter, not being able to be held by their parents, but this new child too. Because of what's happening with Russia inflicting great harm and pain on the Ukraine. These young couples have fled everything. You see, sometimes pain comes from when others commit sins against us on an individual basis and on a corporate basis. But sometimes that pain comes not from how others have sinned against us, but our choosing to sin ourselves. Yeah, you know, sometimes we're our own worst enemy, aren't we? Our bent towards sin, our bent towards self, our bent toward having it our way, you know, the Burger King motto, have it your way, sometimes doesn't end so well for us, does it? And, and, and the idea, or maybe you've heard the adage, we reap what we sow. Any of y'all reap some things that you're like, oh gosh, I regret that I did that. Well, there's a biblical word for that. Paul, inspired by the Spirit, writes this to the church in Galatia. He says, do not be deceived. This is Galatians 6, verse 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Well, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times when I sow out of the flesh and it doesn't go so well. And I imagine I'm not the only one here. So pain, it comes from those who sin against us. Pain, it comes from when we choose to sin. But there's another place where pain comes into our lives, and it has nothing to do with a direct sin, so to speak, but just tragedies and losses. 
Think about losing a loved one. Think about the the tragedy of natural disasters. We live in a fallen world, so yes, indirectly it is sin, but in that moment, it's it's like what we read in the newspapers just recently where Mississippi got hit with a tornado and there's the risk of those coming again today. Tragedy and losses come our way. Losing loved ones leave a hole in our hearts and in our families. And there's pain associated with that. You know, there was a, a blind man that came before Jesus, who's brought before Jesus. And in that time, they thought that, you know, if you were blind or lame or something like that, that, that there was a reason for it, that you were doing something wrong. Any of y'all live in that mindset that, you know, I must be doing something wrong because I'm not living right or whatever it may be. We have that mindset even today still. And, and, and Jesus was asked, who sinned? His father or his mother? And Jesus said, no one sinned. But so that God might be glorified and he heals the blind man. You see, sometimes it's not a result of direct sin. It's tragedies and losses of living in a fallen world. And in John 11, one of my favorite chapters in all of the, the Gospel of John, we find the shortest verse of all of Scripture. You know what it is? Jesus wept. Where did he weep? The presence of death. He had lost one of his BFFs, Lazarus, and his sisters, and And the community were wailing and mourning. And Jesus, in the wake of all of what he was seeing around him and the pain on their faces, we find that even Jesus wept in the face of death. You see, pain sometimes comes through just simply the tragedy and the loss of living in a fallen world. And there's a fourth one I want to offer to you. And this is not out of a negative place, but out of a good place. And that's when we choose to deny ourselves a desire. You see, sometimes pain comes not out of a tragedy, but out of a good thing. Like when you want to lose the 19 from the COVID, you know, COVID-19. And y'all experience that? You know what I'm talking about? You know, you got to be able to work out. You got to say no to the donut that was sitting there in student ministry today. And I ate it anyway, confession. I've been told now they get three chocolate glazed donuts because they know I'm coming for one each Sunday. Confession time. Spiritual disciplines. Oh, I'm getting the look. I'm sorry. <laughs> Spiritual disciplines are like this, aren't they? You think about fasting. Your fasting is foregoing something that nourishes the body so that you might recognize that there's something deeper that you're hungry for. Jesus, when he was tempted after having fasted to turn a rock into bread, what did he say? Man should not live by bread alone. Right? Fasting is a way of us recognizing there's a deeper need, a deeper hunger, and there's a deeper satisfaction that comes from relying on God. Take tithing, for instance. Any of you that have ever moved toward tithing where you begin to give your first fruits, not your handovers, not your leftovers, you know, you're not tipping the pastor on Sunday, but you start giving your first fruits back to God. We've experienced that in the first time that we begin to tithe. Christian remembers this financial crisis hit and 25% of our income went away overnight because it was bonus that just dissipated. Fast forward to today, I don't know about y'all, but inflation's hitting us in the pocket. Any of y'all? I mean, you can't go to Chick-fil-A and get a biscuit and a tea without paying 10 bucks. I mean, it's crazy. And the temptation is to feed that rather than to hand over back to God what God desires to be used by him. You see, sometimes there's pain in choosing to deny a desire that we have. Persecution's like that too. 
Any of you that have ever taken a stand for your faith know that you will be silenced, that you will be criticized, that you will be mocked. And throughout the generations, including today, there's pain that comes when you choose to stand on the word of God and stand for what God calls and desires for each and every one of us. Pain. It comes from when people sin against us. It comes when we choose to sin. It comes sometimes through tragedy and loss and sometimes out of a good place. When we deny ourselves a desire that we have. But no matter the source of our pain, what is it that we want to do when pain comes our way? Or we see pain coming? We want to run. We want to avoid it, right? We want to hide from it. We want to to run the opposite way. Because the truth of the matter is, we're a pain-averse people, aren't we? We try to shy away from the pain. And dare I say that the idea... The idea of suffering sometimes seems un-American. I mean, after all, what are our ideals? We are in pursuit of life, liberty, and what? Well, pursuit of happiness, well, I should do whatever makes me happy. I shouldn't have to suffer in any way. Pay those taxes? What? You know, think about it. But we don't need to beat ourselves up as Americans because this isn't an American thing. This is a human condition. This idea of running from pain. We find it from the very beginning. We find in, in the garden. If you remember, after Adam and Eve chose to, to be like God rather than be with God, the pain of facing up to what they had done, what did they do? They went into hiding. They hid. And God asked an amazing question. Where are you? Where are you? Now, he wasn't talking about a GPS directional position. Where are you? He was talking about a relationship, relationally. Where are you in relation to me? And the pain of having to face up to that only left them doing the blame game, right? Causing additional pain, perpetuating through that. You fast forward, the ancient Israelites were not immune to pain either, right? They, they found themselves in bondage for four centuries. Can you imagine that? 400 plus years, a group of people found themselves enslaved. And they're crying out to God, deliver us. And just as they get delivered, they find themselves on the way of the promised land. They find themselves in a place of wilderness. They're free. They've been set free. And yet the uncertainty of what they face and the pain of of figuring out a new way of living, walking away from the old way of living, well, what did it send them wanting to do? They wanted to go back to the bondage. They wanted to go back to the captivity. The pain of not knowing going forward led them to wanting to go back to what they knew, including the pain that they had endured. And even Jesus... Fully divine, yet fully human. What do we see Jesus praying in the garden? When he's there on his knees, he's got blood sweat coming out as he's praying to God the Father. He says, my Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. He had just held the cup in the upper room, having given thanks to it. And then looking to the disciples saying, this is my blood that will be poured out for you. We're talking about the cup of pain. He's saying, if you would just take this away from me, but not my will, but your will be done. 
You see, it's natural. It's natural for us to run and to avoid our pain. But what happens once pain comes? What are we to do? You see, once pain comes our way, avoiding it, anesthetizing it, that is dulling it or over covering it up without dealing with it, well, it can make things far worse for us. We know this because we lived it, right? Anybody resemble that remark? Yeah, you know, there's something that happens when we run from the pain. We discover a few things. Let me give them to you. One is this, is that we, we discover that our hurts never truly heal. Our hurts never truly heal when we don't face up to the pain that's been caused by the hurts, by the wounds, whether from someone else or from our own choosing. Another thing happens, too, and that is that lessons go unlearned. You know, insanity is, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Anybody resemble that remark? We're a little slow sometimes, right? That's what happens when we don't acknowledge the pain that's in our life and in our relationships. And the third thing is this, is sometimes we miss out on the blessings that God wants to bestow upon us. You see, I think God doesn't cause pain. I don't believe that. I firmly don't believe that. But I do believe in what Paul says, that God works for the good of all who love him. That he truly can, out of the ashes of our past, allow beautiful things to come when we allow ourselves to die to that and to go through that pain that's there. God can do amazing things, and sometimes we miss out on that because we're running. We're running. Any of you running this morning? Are any of you running this morning from the pain that's within you? Sometimes we run in all kinds of places, don't we? We run to a bottle. We run to a pill. We run to a screen and numb ourselves. We run into hiding like Adam and Eve. There's a lot of places we run. How many of us are on the run this morning? Because our scripture today offers another perspective. Our scripture today offers a different response. Our scripture today offers a greater direction for us to run. That rather than run from our pain and to deny our pain is choosing to acknowledge and embrace it. And I don't know about you, but I don't like embracing pain. I don't. I'm a wimp. Let me point to the scripture out, though. It points to us in terms of facing our pain. It starts with this. The opening word is therefore. Verse 12, 1. Therefore. Anytime that you find that in Scripture, you have to ask the question, what is the therefore there for? Well, the therefore in chapter 12 leads us to look back to what was happening before. And what we find in chapter 11 is an amazing group of people. The who's who, the the by faith people. We're talking about amazing spiritual giants, right? Joseph, Samson, David, Rahab, all these folks that by faith did amazing things. And sometimes we put them on a pedestal and think that they're untouchable, that they have something that we don't. But let me tell you what they do have that we do have. They had pain too. They knew what it was like to experience pain. I love how Scripture doesn't gloss over the reality of life, the reality of fallenness, the reality of brokenness. Take, for instance, Joseph the dreamer. Joseph the dreamer knew the pain of having his brothers gang up on him, sell him into slavery. He'd end up 
in bondage there in Potiphar's house and be falsely accused. He knew the pain of being lied about. And then thrown in prison on top of that, and he does a good deed, and he says, remember me. And then he endures the pain of having been forgotten for what he had done to someone else that was in prison, alleviating their pain and interpreting their dream. But yet, Joseph is the one that would go and help deliver all of Egypt, including his brothers, from a famine. You fast forward, you find Moses. Moses knows the pain of having been separated from his biological parents. They were forced into this. They were forced to hand over their, their, their children over. And so Moses grew up, he grew up in a great life, the Pharaoh's house. I mean, he had it all, but it wasn't his biological family. And then one day he would stand up for what was right, and the Pharaoh would come after him, and even his own people would run him out of town. He knew the pain of rejection. And he'd spend some 40 years before God would come and speak to him and send him right back into that same place to, live, to deliver the people by faith, but also in the face of pain. Rahab. Think about Rahab. She took in and sheltered those scouts, those spies, as, as the, the Hebrew people finally got to the place where they're going to finally go into the promised land. Some 40 years had gone by. Rahab shelters them. But this very Rahab is the one that knows the pain of promiscuity. Knows what it's like for a guy to look at her as an object rather than a human. She knows that pain. And Rahab yet would become the great, great grandmother of King David. And would continue the line all the way to Jesus Christ. And then David. Lastly, look at David. David the giant slayer. I mean... Who goes into a fight with a giant with just a rock and a slingshot? I mean, he was brilliant on one hand, right? And yet absolutely crazy in the eyes of others. But David? David endured the shame of adultery. He knew the pain that he caused to his own family, to the rest of his family. And David even knows the pain of losing a child and having to bury a child. This King David, this who's who that's in chapter 11, he too, like the rest, like us, have experienced deep pain. But rather than allow the pain to define them, rather than allow that pain to hold them back from the life that God had for them, they handed that pain back over to God and allowed God to do some extraordinary things in them and through their lives, allowing God to take that pain and to use it for the greater good. God wants to do the same for you and me too. That's the therefore. And it goes on and he writes this, the writer of Hebrews says, and throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Well, let me tell you, we know how sin entangles. We've lived it, right? But that word hinders, you know what's hindering us? Oftentimes, our adversity to acknowledging the pain that comes with our hurt, our running from, our attempt to dull, our attempt to stuff down, our attempt to avoid the pain, it holds us back, it hinders us. And let me tell you, it can slap wear you out. Covering up can slap wear you out. Anybody been there? It can slap wear you out. 
So let me ask you this question. How many of you are exhausted from trying to stuff down, dismiss, or avoid the pain before you or within you? How many of you are tired today? I imagine many of us are. In fact, perhaps all of us are in some aspect of our life or another. You see, here's the truth. Avoidance is really not an option. Let me say that again. Avoidance is not really an option. Despite our attempts to, it catches up to us. There's a a writer of a children's book. It's called Going on a Bear Hunt. And and I wish I had the video clip of when Claire, our Claire Bear, would sing this in preschool up in in, when we were living in Kentucky because it was phenomenal. It was just so fun. But any of y'all know that book? You know, there, there's these obstacles. There's some of y'all know that. You know, there's obstacles going on the bear hunt. The grass is too tall. There's a big muddy puddle that you gotta, you got to figure out how to overcome and all these different obstacles. And every time that the people going on the bear hunt would find an obstacle, the refrain went something like this. Can't go over it. Can't go under it. Can't go around it. Got to go through it. through it. The same is true with our pain. The same is true with the pain that we carry that lingers even after the hurt has already gone by. We have to go through it. We have to go through it. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. We can't go around it. We have to go through it. So how do we do that? How do do we go through the pain? How do we acknowledge the pain? How How do we address the pain in our lives. Well, I think the writer of Hebrews points out to us how we do that. By fixing our eyes not on our pain, but on the perfecter of our faith. By fixing our eyes on Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus was tempted in many ways and in many times in his life to, to, to divert, to, to walk off, walk out of that path of pain he was on, but he never departed from it. But rather he embraced the pain. He embraced the pain. Picture the cross. We, we love to have a cross. It's an adorned cross. Some of you, how many of you are wearing crosses around your neck? Some of, some of us here are. Any of them got a body on it? You know, our Catholic friends have something right sometimes when they have a crucifix. We like to not seek Jesus on the cross, do we? We like to see him already removed. Sometimes we have to look at the cross and we have to recognize that Jesus outstretched his arms. He opened himself up to the most excruciating pain. He opened himself up to be vulnerable. He opened himself up in a pain-wracked body and a very open and exposed heart. He embraced the agony of the cross. Jesus knows pain. Jesus knows your pain. And I'm not talking about just a physical pain because when you look to the cross, sometimes you only see the physical, but what is it that he cried out from the cross? My God, my God, why have you what? Look at me. He knows the pain of relationships, broken relationships. He knows the emotional pain as well as the physical pain. And the writer of or not the writer, but the prophet that we opened with this series, Isaiah so eloquently reminds us hundreds of years, some 700 years before Jesus would go to the cross, God put these words on the lips of Isaiah. 
Isaiah 53.3, he was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised. And we held him in low esteem. Jesus already had a foreshadowing of what he was about to endure. Why in the world? Have you ever stopped to ask, why? Why? Why would Jesus endure what he endured? Why would he do it? The writer of Hebrews reminds us, for the joy. For the joy. What joy? The joy of seeing you. The joy of seeing me forgiven. Set free, healed, restored, renewed, repurposed for the purpose in which we were created. For the joy that was before him, Jesus Christ endured the cross. He scorned its shame. Why? For the joy of seeing you and seeing me and seeing all of humanity experience the healing and wholeness. God has for us, and He wants to do through us by Christ. So what are we to do? Well, Jesus faced His pain, and I think we need to follow His example. In fact, He calls us to. As a disciple, He said this, He says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Take up their cross. And upon those hours, just moments before he was arrested and would lay down his life upon that cross, he told his disciples, he says, in this world, John 16, 33, you hear me say it often, and this is one of my life verses, in this world you will have trouble. Let me tell you, pain comes with trouble, doesn't it, sometimes? But take heart, for I have overcome the world. Take heart. Take heart. Folks, pain comes to us all. We cannot avoid it. We cannot avoid pain, but we can choose what to do with our pain. What are you choosing to do with your pain today? Bless you, brother. What are you choosing to do with your pain today? Are you running from it? Are you hiding? Are you denying it? Because if you are, you're going to get slap wore out, folks. There's a race in front of us for each and every one of us. And we're called to run with perseverance. How do we persevere? By keeping our eyes on Christ. How do we persevere? By not doing it under our strength. Because let me tell you, every time I try to fix something on my own strength, I screw up, y'all. There's got to be others that resemble that remark in the room. I, I pray. I'm not the only one. We rely on His strength. We rely on what Christ did on the cross for you and for me to be able to not only to endure, but to persevere through all that we have experienced. You know, it's been said that Christianity is the abandonment of our self-reliance. Let me say that again. Christianity is the abandonment of our self-reliance. Reliance. It's so true. That is so true. The race that's set out before us is one in which we leave our way behind us and we pursue after His way. 
pursue after the one, the author and perfecter of our faith. Dr. Siemens, in the book, Wounds That Heal, I love this book. I've been through it four or five times. I've marked it up a million times. And there's a chapter in here on embracing our pain. And if you don't have a copy of this, I would encourage you to get a copy because he has some steps, some, some tangible steps of how to begin to step into and step through the pain associated with the wounds that we have experienced. And if you need help with a copy, I'll get you a copy because it's well worth the read. But let me close with this. One of the threads that I have seen and that has inspired me in, over the last several weeks in our testimonies, those brave men and women that have shared part of their hurts with us, they're willing to get real with us, It's not just the pain of what they've endured, but the hope that they have grabbed a hold of as they've chosen to grab a hold of Jesus. As they've chosen to make that bold step, one step, just one step at a time toward the healing that Jesus has for us all. Because by his wounds, we are healed. So whatever that pain is that you brought in here today, I ask you simply this, would you be willing to give it to Jesus? He's here. Would you be willing to hand it to him? Our God's big enough to take it all. Your questions, your disappointment, your anger, your doubt, your worry, your fear. He's big enough to take it all. In fact, he's already offered to take it all so that we might have it all. The life that we were intended to live. As we continue in this season of Lent, as we continue toward the cross, I want to challenge you. Face your pain. But know that you're not facing it alone. God is beside you. God is for you. And God wants to do something through you, through Jesus Christ. Amen? Would you pray with me? Almighty God, I thank you for this morning and a chance to get back into your word once more and to be reminded that you are an amazing God. And you don't shirk or shy away from the pain that it would take in order to restore us back to you. You broke time, space, and matter in order to come into our place through the flesh and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. And then He knows what it's like, not only to be hurt, but also the pain that comes with it. And that He took it. And that He offers to take it for us. God, I pray a blessing over each and every individual here. I ask a blessing and anointing upon each and every family here. Ask a blessing over this congregation, God, that you would begin your healing work in us. For everywhere that is fractured, for everywhere that is broken, for every relationship that has soured or become estranged, God, that you would do what only you can do. 
And we know that part of what you can do involves us willingly offering it to you. So may we give us, may we give you our pain today. May we give you our pain. And receive the healing that you have for us. I ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Amen.